ladies and gentlemen, the next United States Heavyweight Champion, Ravaging Rick Rude! There's nothing in my dreams, just some ugly memories. Please welcome the newest members of the Dangerous Alliance, I'm Anderson and Larry Zabisco! Real be my lover, I will see you insane. The world's greatest athlete and newest member of the Dangerous Alliance, the world's TV champion, stunning Steve Austin! Nothing left alive but a pair of Welcome one of Sting's best friends and a little stinger himself. Ladies and gentlemen, beautiful Bobby Beaton! It's not an army, it's not a stable, and it's not a family. It's an alliance of businessmen who will bring WCW down to its knees. North-South Connection, welcome to episode number four of the Seven Months of Danger. Um, I am your host, Sean Kidd, and tonight we have probably our most... I guess we built to this like point of this is like a really breaking moment, like core point of the Dangerous Alliance formation is this show tonight, and we are watching Clash of the Champions 17. Um, we are joined by a special guest tonight, and I will get to him in one moment. But before we move on, Matt, Matt I'll go to my uh, other co-host. So Matt Souza, how you doing? I almost flubbed that too, Matt. So go ahead. How you doing, Matt? <laughs> Thank you for calling me your special guest, Sean. That really is very nice of you. I'm, I'm here every episode, just so you know. Yeah, you're not my special guest. We have a special guest. How you dare are you? Regular guest. I apologize. Well, uh, you're leading me down the wrong path, but my good bad. to be here. Good to be here. All right. Uh, Sh Scott Shiflett, how are you tonight? Doing great. Got my tux here because we're at the Clash of the Champions. Mm, shifting a shifting a tux. It almost sounded like you called him shit instead of shit. <laughs> Shift, 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 Scott, shift. Okay, anyway, Logan, Crossland, how are you tonight? God damn it. doing great. That made me so happy, so uh, good start. This is going great. All right, we're off to a hot start. Now let me introduce our actual special guest, who's not Matt Souza. How dare um, you? He is the host of the Ruthlessly Aggressive podcast here on the North-South Feed. I have asked him to join us on all the clashes and pay-per-views on this 20-episode journey. Jacob Williams, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. Feeling very dangerous. Um, excited to do it because I love this era. Um, not just the dangerous line stuff, but I have a soft spot for this era of WCW. Um, I wasn't around at the time, but I've since rewatched it. It was actually my um, uh, my one of my first like COVID watches was watching through WCW specifically mm. this era mm. because I'd never really watched it like deep dived it. So um, a special place in my heart for helping me out through that tough time. So. Ready to get to it. All right. Awesome. Yeah, this is a really, really like not talked about era, which is really cool, which is I love that we love about doing this podcast. So uh, before we get to that, so Jake, real quick. So you said you were watching this. Is this is that the first time you watched this show was during that COVID era? Or did you watch it prior to that? So like I think before that I'd seen like the main points. I mean, obviously I watched like war games 
um, you know, because that's just such a famous match. But I had never really watched like the full saga and like watched through the Saturday nights and saw the mm-hmm. whole thing build. Like you always hear about it because like the the Dangerous Alliance is kind of this beloved faction and like maybe not the hottest time for WCW. And so I'd seen like the main points, but then I kind of deep deep dove it, I guess you would say. Um, kind of like in the same way you guys are doing for this pod. So it's cool that y'all have um decided to do pretty much that as a podcast. I like the idea of a um I also like the idea of the uh like kind of the limited series, like covering one thing, unlike, you know, doing a podcast that you probably will never realistically finish like me. So Oh yeah, I could probably relate I could probably relate to that <laughs> on another podcast that I do actually. So yeah, I, I yeah, I agree. That's the reason why I like doing this. Is like you have a firm end date, you cover the base. It it is kind of a different thing, so I do enjoy that. Um, all right, Matt. Um, when and again, I know most of you weren't around when this first aired, or maybe you were. But when did you actually first watch this show, Matt? So one of the first things I did when I got at the time the network. Remember the network and how great that was. Uh, one one of the first things I did was actually go through and watch all the clashes in order. So I had seen this once before and and one match in particular i've seen more than that from this show but as far as the the full show i had seen it at least once before i think maybe just once before prior to this okay ship yeah so as i mentioned last episode like sting's my favorite wrestler and growing up i had this videotape called deadly venom the best of sting (laughs) okay and it was a um Basically, like how WCW, like it was like just like clips of like certain moments. Like I, I guess I, I don't know where I got it from. I think I still have it if I look hard enough. But um, it showed what happened with um, what we see with Sting in the final box and the Sting and Rude match. So like I've seen this bunch because I used to just put that in. I also had WCW Bone Crushers, which is like their best tag teams at the time. Um, I wish someone could hunt that down and put it on YouTube. But no, it was. Um, so I'm familiar with that part, and I'd never seen the rest of the um, card until now, actually. Wow. Schiff, I remember none of those videos ever coming out whatsoever. So that's <laughs> odd to me. But okay, that's great. I didn't. I guess I didn't realize at the time WCW actually put out videos like that. So, but Yeah, the, I think they did it. And I want to say they did one for the bad guys, too. But I definitely remember like the Bone Crushers one, which was for the tag team and Deadly Venom, the best of Sting. Huh, that's good. You learn something new every day, including myself at being an old man. Logan, what did you think? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I went like Matt when the network first came out. I kind of went through all the old WCW pay-per-views, uh, or really all of the WCW pay-per-views, and then I watched the clashes as well. So um, that was probably the first time I saw this show, and I've probably watched it another time since. But yeah, probably about twice is that, about the amount of times I've seen this one. All right. As for me, um, I guess I'm the lone wolf. I watched it live <laughs> on TBS when it came on, and it was a really big feel for this match. <laughs> like, um, the, the main reason was obviously for the rude and sting stuff, which we're going to talk about in depth tonight, but also because for me, the tag team title match had been built really well with um, what was supposed to be Barry Windham and Dustin Rhodes versus the Enforcers. They did a really nice job setting that up with Havoc, but we'll see how that plays out tonight. So we'll talk about all that. So we are at, this is November 19th, 1991. We are at the Savannah Civic Center in Savannah, Georgia. Uh, Jake and Logan in particularly, do you realize that we stayed at the hotel right next to what this building, where this building was? Did you realize that when we were doing our little uh, group trip a couple years ago? Did you realize that? 
I did not realize that. No. Yes, we actually drove no. right. We actually uh, went by it a couple times, but literally the hotel we stayed at was right next to this building. Um, there were six thousand nine hundred twenty-two fans in attendance, and the show drew a four-point-three rating. And if you put that into context and in, in context in today's numbers, that's really a great number. So, um, so that's where we're at. So we are going. I'll, we'll get. I'm going to run down the other, rest of the card with you. Um, I'm not going to cover the Dangerous Alliance members uh, matches, but I do want to talk about the other matches on this card and kind of ask each of you to give me a brief rundown of your thoughts on the other matches on the show. Just don't talk about um, the Dangerous Alliance matches. So first up, we had Big Josh defeating Thomas Rich in a Lumberjack match. So uh, Doink the Clown basically, basically taking on uh, Tommy Rich. Um, we have Tom Zink, the Z-Man, defeating the future Razor Ramon, the Diamond Stud, in a match that lasted only a minute and 24 seconds. Um, you'll love this one because, honestly, these guys, if you've watched all their shows they've been on, did not have a terrible feud. Cactus Jack defeated Van Hammer, um, which is probably Van Hammer's defining moment as far as a wrestling star because Cactus Jack actually did something with him. You had Brian Pillman defeat Johnny B. Bad uh, for the, uh, in a match for the WCW Light Heavyweight title. And the main event of this card was Lex Luger in one of his final appearances, um, at least from a title defense standpoint, before the pay-per-view we'll talk about in December. He defeated Rick Steiner at 11 minutes and 30 seconds um, with the WCW World Heavyweight title on the line. So, Matt, I will go to you first. Uh, without covering off on the um, Dangerous Alliance matches, what did you think of this? the other matches on the card and even the main event when you watched it? Yeah, uh, I mean... Like you said, Cactus Jack and Van Hammer is actually uh, shockingly decent, given that it's a fucking Van Hammer match, because most of the time he's useless. But uh, the rest of the card, I, I mean, the bulk of the good stuff on this card, I think we're going to talk about one. Like I said, one, one match in particular we are going to talk about. And uh, the main event is a Lex Luger match from 1991, uh, late 1991, I should say, which means it sucks. So, you know, for me, like. I remember I haven't gone back. I did not watch this whole show. I did. I just literally watched. But the last time I watched or when I was younger and I watched this show, I actually like like I was a big Rick Steiner guy. So I actually did not mind the match that much. But I'm sure if I went back now, I'd probably hate it. But back then, I, I, I mean, uh, look, obviously, I'm exaggerating. It's it's not good, but it's not awful. It's just very like middling. Gotcha. All right. Schiff, what do you think about the other stuff on the show? Um, in the Big Josh match, we actually see potentially the implosion of the York Foundation. Oh, no, not that. Terry, Terry Taylor <laughs> grabbed Thomas Rich's uh, <laughs> leg that led to the pin. Um, let's, not, let's not lose the York Foundation. A moment of silence for the York Foundation, <laughs> please. We've got to force them out. Um, also, uh, we saw in the Fly and Brian Johnny B. Bad match, which was actually, I enjoyed that. Um, Teddy Long calls Johnny B. Bad the match, and Johnny B. Bad deck team, so a potential face turn for Johnny B. Bad. Oh, joy. Um, not going to lot. Well, Johnny, I enjoyed Johnny B. Bad in 1994, so I'll have to go back and see what's up with that. Um, with the... I didn't watch the Luger match. I'm sorry. I just got to you're, the end. It was like... I'm, you're better off. Yeah, I mean, you, you, didn't, you didn't really miss anything except maybe the last... I guess that was his last major world title defense before Super Bowl II, I think. Right, Sousa? I believe so, yeah. Yeah. As far as as far as TV, yeah. Yeah, as far as TV, yep. Um, and Logan, your thoughts on the other stuff on this match, and then we'll go to Jake. Yeah, just pulling from memory, I didn't watch any of the other matches. I'm kind of like you, Sean. I I watched the stuff that we had for the pod and kind of got out of there. Um, but uh, you know, l like 
like Schiff said, he was talking about how the implosion of the <laughs> York Foundation may be coming. Uh, but yeah, and then the the zinc stud match is pretty much just background effect for Sting getting rushed to the hospital. So that match only lasts like a minute and a half. So uh, there's not much there. Um, Cactus and Van Hammer, I remember not being not being too bad uh, considering the two two guys in there. Jack's obviously good, but Van Hammer's kind of a slug uh, for the most part. Um, when you get Brian Pillman in a, like a light heavyweight style match, it's always a pretty good, pretty, pretty good showing. Uh, he can even pull up people like Johnny B. Bad at this point, I, I would say, because uh, Johnny B. Bad hadn't quite found his uh, niche yet at, at this point. So, um, but Pillman's always great. And then the main events kind of, you know, Luger's kind of checked out at this point. I don't know if his heart's really in it. He was really kind of looking forward to uh, going to the WWF at this point, so I don't know that he's like fully into it, but Steiner tried his best to, you know, make make everything look good in that match, but it's just kind of middle and kind of like Matt said, so uh, not not bad, uh, not bad, but not great on any of the stuff that surrounded the Dangerous Alliance on this one. All right, gotcha. And Jake, what do you think about the rest of the show? Yeah, I think if you like isolate the rest of the card, the non-dangerous alliance stuff, you really start to see why they started to move the focus like they do on this show. I mean, as we're going to get mm-hmm. into, it is like it is the real crux of the show, even more than the world title, really. Because I mean, by the end of this, I mean the the world title match almost feels like an afterthought after everything that happens with you know Rude and everything, and it just you know Great I point. think it was smart of them too to, to to start to build around the like to really put so much focus on the Dangerous Alliance because I think it's a real weird era for the world title after Flair leaves, like you guys have covered, and like Luger's there, but he's kind of checked out. He's sort of a lame duck champion. I don't know if they really had anybody that they wanted to slot in quite yet. I mean, you could always go back to Sting or whatever. But so I think it was kind of shrewd of them to kind of create this angle where you have so many guys involved that you could fill up the card because, like we're talking about, they're in this weird point where, like, the, the Dangerous Alliance starts to get in this kind of cool, gritty kind of storyline, but they still have, like, these weird gimmicks like Big Josh, who's like a lumberjack, who I don't mind in ring, but it's just an odd. They're still liking these weird, like, occupational gimmicks like uh, Van Hammer and Big Josh and stuff. So it's really kind of like a saving grace for them this era, in this era because it's weird. Like, I don't know what they would have done with the rest of the card if they hadn't moved towards this Dangerous Alliance angle because – a lot of the stuff, like you guys have said, just feels kind of like a mishmash of like Van Hammer and Cactus Jack. Like, what if just kind of thrown shit together and see what you can do? So, yeah, I honestly, for me, the Van Hammer uh, Cactus Jack feud that they have in this time frame is probably the greatest thing that Van Hammer was ever a part of because after right. that, he goes south. Mm-hmm. But all right, so we'll jump right into it. So, the great thing about this show is. Not only do we get to cover the Dangerous Alliance, but because of their opponents, we get to cover off on a lot of 92 uh, WCW wrestling, which is a, kind of an underrated thing here that we get to do. Um, we'll talk about occupational gimmicks, probably the worst one that most people on the show that our hosts have hit, uh, shit on. We'll talk about that in a minute. But um, we we open up, the show opens, and JR mentions, not sure if Barry Wyndham will be in tag match tonight or not. Or if it will be a mystery partner, but they do say Barry is here, so they give us a little tease to the tag title match we're going to see a little bit later. So we're going to jump right into our first match, and it is, at this point, the polarizing uh, Firebreaker Chip, speaking of occupational gimmicks that makes no sense, uh, versus Beautiful Bobby Eaton. And on our last show, we covered a syndicated match that they had as part of a six-man where Bobby supposedly accidentally punched Chip. 
Um, and so I think this kind of led into this match we have tonight, which probably nobody really knew about to begin with, because probably nobody even watched that match on the syndicated show. But this is actually set up, which um, I guess for me, gives it an additional context. Not that it'll make the match any better in that. Um, but anyway, uh, let's see. We come out of commercial and both are in the ring. There's no interest whatsoever. Um, and again, Logan, I made the comment on here. What exactly? So now he refers, he refers to uh, the announcers refer to the Patriots as the WCW Special Forces. So not only are they Patriots, they're also Special Forces. So I, I really have no idea what we're doing with this fucking gimmick. Um, I basically they don't said, know. <laughs> no, you know, you know I, I made the notice. I said WCW Special Forces. Is that their inside lingo for jobber? That's what I had written down. Um, <laughs> JRC very enthralled with the very muscular chips. So much like he was enthralled mm-hmm. with the very uh, girthy Pia News on our last episode, <laughs> he is very enthralled with the muscular chip. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I said, when you do a second rope leapfrog, um, you are not supposed to uh, botch and cover it by saying chip is taking chances, which is what the announcers do. <laughs> uh, There's a lot of chip headlocks. Uh, chip uh, had, a, I think he did at one point have a nice top rope clothesline. Bobby in return hit a nice um, hit a nice uh, backbreaker on a corner charge for Chip, and, a, and then he did a nice also lifting backbreaker as well. There were a few false pins by Chip. Bobby kicked out on a roll-up, and Chip was delayed and looked like he threw himself into the turnbuckle into a Bobby belly-to-belly suplex for three. Um, there's not much to talk about in this. This is more of a Bobby exhibition, but fire tri- firebreaker Chip is absolute just shit in this match. I actually went a half a star on this. Um, I am with you guys in terms of where you guys feel about Firebreaker Chip, but Bobby Eaton, you know, kind of makes, what do we call it, uh, chicken salad out of chicken shit every time he's in a match, but this match is awful. Matt, I will go to you first. <laughs> God, I fucking hate Firebreaker Chip so much. <laughs> he's he's the fucking worst. He's just so bad. He does nothing well. Why is he here? I've seen, we as a collective have seen more Firebreaker Chip matches <laughs> over the course of this podcast. <laughs> Then any man needs to watch, and it's all your <laughs> fault, Sean. I'll never forgive you for this. You know I latch on to stuff like that. It's kind of like what I do with Wahoo on Cracker Roll. God fucking it damn it. I do it with Chip. So. If there's a Firebreaker Chip match out there that happened during the Dangerous Alliance era, you're going to find it, and we're going to fucking watch it. So thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is just no good. Uh, he just stinks, and it. it's all Firebreaker Chip's fault because Bobby and tried his hardest to pull this slug into something watchable and he just he just couldn't fucking do it he's awful yeah uh this was five minutes i'm never getting back half a star yeah you know my favorite part of this match like i said is when uh bobby kicked out of that roll up and chip literally there was a (laughs) there was literally a delay for him to run to the turnbuckle and throw himself back just awful shift what'd you think yeah i actually asked susan to create that as a gift for me which he did thank you so much Mm -hmm. um but no, it was um, it was a bad match. Like, there's no going about that. But uh, Bobby, you know, uh, in our second episode, I doubted Bobby, but he was, you know, able to make this passable. I did like how uh, there's a nice clothesline from him, follow up with a solid backbreaker from Bobby. Um, and then he hits like a back suplex and it's over. I just want a star and a half. We were in and out. So it wasn't like this was like a 13 minute P and news tag team match. I had to sit through, um, in the last episode. I, like I said, I just want a star and a half. All right, Jake, I'll go to you next because Logan's our official Loganomics, uh, uh, rating keeper. So I'll go to you next. 
Yeah, Chip actually gets booed, I think, when he comes out, which is probably not good for who's supposed to be touted as like this American hero, like a fireman. Like they're booing a fireman. He's in his special forces, WCW special forces, Jake. Right. Uh, Yeah, notably anti military Savannah, Georgia, in the deep (laughs) south, (laughs) anti military, (laughs) booing the fireman. So, yeah, the crowd is even not with him. Like, it's just like such a styles clash of like a guy who's really good at wrestling, a guy who can't wrestle. Like, Chip's (laughs) such a stiff. Like, he keeps going. Like, I almost feel like it, it, like, normally you would think like a guy like Bobby, you put him in there with somebody who kind of sucks and maybe he'll bring him up. But I feel like Bobby's trying to work like his normal Bobby style and like, um, and like Chip just can't hang at all. Like Bobby's so smooth, and then Chip is such a stiff. Like so, like at one point, like Bobby goes for this backbreaker, and like uh, Chip's trying to sell it, and he just kind of crumbles like awkwardly onto the ground after the backbreaker. It's just like everything he does is so awkward that it just stands out so much worse when the guy he's facing is like, like is has a reputation of being one of like the smoothest guys in wrestling. So. Not great. Um, I thought the finish was real flat. Just kind of Bobby winning with a back suplex. Like, not a lot of pomp and circumstance there. Yeah, just not good. I, Bobby was not able to bring much out of Chip. And uh, the only other thing I noted in this, did you guys catch, like, Tony talking about there was some kind of charity or something that they were, <laughs> that they were like, collecting money for? I don't remember what it was. But at one point, Tony just said, uh, he's like, you know, you can bring your coins or whatever. <laughs> I do remember that. I didn't make a note of it, but yes, I totally remember yeah. that. Yes. Yes. He's like, you know, bring your coins or whatever, like coupons for the Sunday paper, I, whatever I you want to donate to this. I think <laughs> that was for the Starcade, like. Oh, Star- yeah. It was yes. something for Starcade. Something yeah. with like milk or something. I don't, I don't know. Yes, that is correct. Um, all right, Jake, what was your score? What was your rating on that match? I, I'll give it a star, which is probably generous, but. Usually I have to like really hate something for it to be less than a star. So one star for me. All right, Logan, close it out. What'd you think? Yeah, I, I went a star as well. Uh, Chip comes out and his gear uh, reminds me. Uh, I, I called him Dollar Tree Ricky Steamboat on this one. He looked <laughs> ju- he looked like he was wearing something that Ricky Steamboat would wear. So I, I thought he was definitely not even great value. He's definitely Dollar Tree. Uh, so that was the first thing I noticed. Um, Bobby took way too much offense at the at the beginning of this match. Uh, he should have taken none, pretty much. Um, the only thing I really love about this match is how stiff Bobby's strikes are, and he does a uh, like a Uranagi backbreaker at one point that I thought was really cool. He actually does that in a later match as well, so I really like that move. Um, and I'm really glad that he won, obviously, but I, I hate that I didn't get to see the Alabama Jam in this one, so uh, that would always give it a little extra bump. But yeah, I had, I had to go one because I can't give any. I can't give Bobby anything below one so i had to give them that at least all right gotcha so yeah not the finest start here with a future member of the alliance taking on firebreaker chip uh, but we're gonna move on um and by the way uh from a patriot standpoint uh we do have our next episode guys we have two more patriots matches but the good news is oh fuck off no no the good news is we don't see him after next episode we're done Oh, thank God. All right, so just hang in there, and let's enjoy the hate we have for them, at least for one more episode after this one. So That, that per- came out to a point nine, by the way. All right, point nine. Congratulations. All right, that's still not our lowest-rated match that ever. That seems though. wrong. Yes, it seems very wrong. All right, so then we go to a Star K91 promo, and I remember at the time I was really pumped because it seemed cool and different in the matchup possibilities, and the promo actually set it up very well. Um, <laughs> as we all know, we will see how it plays out when we get to it at minimal 
Um, I would have thought they could have said the winner would get a world title shot or some kind of award, but they really didn't clarify what it was. But the way they had it set up, like you'd never seen anything like it. Like heel could be with face, face could be with heel. The setup of it was really, really great in theory. Um, we'll talk about the execution of that uh, when we get to that point. But um, Matt, I'll go to you. Any thoughts on this initial Starcade 91 promo? Like if you were to look at it in the promo that it was, not knowing what it's going to be and mm-hmm. the execution, what would have you thought in watching that? I mean, it's kind of tough because, uh, spoiler, I fucking hate Battle Bull. But watching the promo in a, in a vacuum, I mean, I, I guess I, I could see where you're coming from and that it seems interesting that, oh, you know, faces and heels could team up with one another. And uh, like you said, we'll, we'll see in practice how it goes, but uh, we'll, we'll see when we get there. All right. Um I, so, Schiff, what about you? Any thoughts? I mean, I'll go to all of you to see if you have any thoughts. You do. If you don't, that's fine. Uh, go, going back to what you said about maybe the winner getting a world title opportunity, WWE hadn't even added that part in. So, like, you know, uh, Dusty was going to steal the idea for, you know, put his little spin on a Royal Rumble uh, type type match. But WWE hadn't even done um, the winner gets a world title shot. So uh, I enjoy it. Like, uh you can call me whatever you want, but I love Battle Bowl. It's like one of my favorite WCW pay per views. I, I do fan like I've done fantasy football drafts, and I have that on in the background just to listen to <laughs> while I do it. So, um, I, I love it. Like the first one holds a special spot in my heart. All right. Well, we'll get to talk about it uh, in a couple of episodes. Um, I'm the same way um, with Star K91. I can see why Matt absolutely hates it so i'm sure i'll enjoy hearing about that when we get to it uh jake what about you your initial thoughts you know just from a promo standpoint and what it sets up and what it looks like it could be not necessarily what it ends up yeah but like i think it does look like a cool because i think if you see that promo you think of like what would be the best possible version of it Mm -hmm. and i think the like it does seem like it'd be a cool concept if they like intricately booked it it could kind of have that like i always think of it with survivor series because i feel like that's supposed to be sort of the like look at all these random guys like tag teaming and being put together but they kind of make it too random and there's not really a whole lot it just i don't know a lot of the battle balls always come off as very forgettable to me like they could have not happened and it wouldn't have mattered like especially the tag portions of it. So that's kind of, it's like almost so random that it almost feels like it doesn't matter. It's kind of like what I generally think of with Battle Ball. All right. And Logan, what about you? Yeah, I, I've always thought the the idea of the concept was cool. Uh, just seeing random people team up, but it, it in execution, it always seemed to fall a little bit short. Um, I do I do enjoy the shows for the most part, but I, I do understand at at the same time that a lot of people don't. Um, we did Battle Bowl '93 on Chicken Salad, and we actually all shockingly liked it because uh, it's mm-hmm. one of Callum's favorite shows. But uh, yeah, I think all of us ended up actually liking it a lot more than we thought we would. So. I don't hate it, but it's probably not the best in execution most of the time. Yeah, I feel like um, for me, and we'll move on, uh, Battle Bowl 92 is my favorite because it kind of mixes it up a little bit in terms of the theme. And, you know, there's, speaking of banger tag team matches, is a freaking, who would have thought Steamboat and Shane Douglas could have a banger tag team match, but they take on Wyndham and Pillman in that. That's one of my almost underrated favorite tag team matches of all time. So, Matt, in theory, I get what you're saying in terms of the execution of the first one. We'll talk about it, but I do think there's some good things in it. So maybe we'll be able to get you onto the other side. 
<laughs> Probably doubtful, but we'll try. Uh, highly unlikely, I'll say. <laughs> All right, so we'll transition to our next event at uh, this clash, which <laughs> um, is definitely something. So it is the Sting Mystery <laughs> Box reveal. Um, and if you listen to our last episode, we had quite the take on the Sting. Uh, anyway, we'll get to that. Uh, Sting, <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I don't know what else to say. We're going to get to it. Uh, Sting comes out to receive his final gift box. This has been an ongoing theme in WCW. Sting getting these mystery boxes that he wants, and we're about to find out who he is. Um, he just stands there and says, show me a box. Then he says, it's a party. Um, we discover that it's Medusa that is getting carried out to Egyptian music to Sting um, by what looked like a bunch of male porn stars in one of those Egyptian king carriage type gimmicks. Um <laughs> A single sparkler goes off, which cracked me up because literally it's like a sparkler <laughs> that you buy at a fireworks stand. Um, Are we in the impact zone? The, right. Yes, yes. So Medusa gets on her hands and knees and crawls this thing, uh, looking very much like the Sherry Ultimate Warrior segment from the Rumble 91. Uh, very similar. Uh, Sting looks ready to take her home, saying we are going to go. Regardless of any set affiliation with Rude, and stupidly allows Medusa to turn his back on the carriage. Where Sting looks like the absolute stupidest freaking cuck wrestler ever by turning his back. Uh, Lex Luger runs in from the, runs in from the carriage and clips Sting's bad knee, revealing himself to be the mysterious gift scorpion. Uh, the lesson is learned. Um, Sting likes the women and he's stupid. That's the lesson we've learned tonight. Um, I really do like the long-term booking thought to plant where they go to Super Brawl 2. So, so Sting's about to go into this big match with Rude, but they cement him in terms of Oh, wow. He's going to be challenging Luger for the world title. So I thought that was kind of cool. Um, Sting is loaded into ambulance and going to the famous medical facility. Um, and he, and while they're doing that, they interrupt the five-star zinc stud match. Um, I do like JR bringing up the injury from February 90 and how at the same time, um, 18-year-old Sean thought the same thing. So there is some cool stuff in this. Um, seeing Sting get cucked by a woman and being seduced by a woman crawling up and him getting all excited and um, sexually excited like he did on our last episode was disturbing because he is he is he is uh, the stinger and he only thinks of the, the young children but unfortunately we discover he does not uh, Matt I would go to you first on this whole segment uh, first of all I was very disappointed that it wasn't Gwyneth Paltrow's severed head in the box that's oh that <laughs> anyway, anyway go ahead <laughs> Uh, Logan will say that he'll be disappointed it wasn't Medusa's, but we'll let it go. <laughs> uh, I'm not that mean. <laughs> Sting is a fucking idiot. He really is. Uh, <laughs> Medusa just said last week that she wasn't interested, and magically, uh, days later, she's all of a sudden going to change her mind. Like, I mean, I, I, I get in theory that baby faces kind of, as a whole, are dumb. But this is like next level stupid. Like you got Stinger here thinking with his scorpion tail between his legs, for God's sake. Like, what are we doing? Uh, she literally just said on the last episode, I'm not interested. You're never going to see you're never going to hit me with that Stinger or whatever the fuck she said. But and I, I actually forgot that it was Luger who came out and clipped Sting's knee. For some reason, I remembered it being rude was the one who did it and clipped it. So th that kind of uh, took me aback and it actually made me wonder if like Luger was supposed to be a part of the Alliance if he wasn't, you know, halfway out the door by this point. So uh, I'm curious if that was like the original plan, if Luger was going to be involved, maybe not in the Alliance, but like somehow loosely involved. But uh, 
as for a segment, I mean, it was fine. You had all the the histrionics and the theatrics of uh, WCW that you usually get with something like this. You know, oil oiled men in black speedos bringing out the not so much a box, but it was more like a wagon, yeah, <laughs> a like covered that, wagon. Whatever, the Egyptian bullshit carriage or whatever. Right. It, is, it, yeah. it, it was like the Oregon Trail wagon, but just doctored up in Egypt things. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it, it was perfectly fine, but it, it really did make Sting look like a fucking moron. It does, but it also sets up kind of the storyline of the evening, which mm-hmm. is, plays out pretty cool. Uh, Schiff, what'd you think of this? Uh, I mean, him trying to get with Medusa, not the greatest, but I enjoyed um, Luger beating the hell out of him. And uh, like you said, Sean, uh, he attacks the knee, and that's what JR brings up. It's a perfect um, callback there. So it's like, and uh, one thing I love, uh, I bring this up in Crock and Roll, but for those who may not listen, I love how the baby faces then come out and like um, try to help Sting. That's one thing that um, WCW and NWA always did well was like it made it seem like, you know, when I was growing up, I just assumed all the baby faces were friends. Like Sting was friends with the Steiners and Brian Pillman. Not as much uh, uh, Firebreaker Chip. They all hated him. They didn't let him, they made him be Steven Glansberg instead of. Sit by himself eating lunch. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, <laughs> wow, they love wow. fire. Yeah, they don't want fires put up. <laughs> um, but no, I, I, I just enjoyed. That was a hell of a scene, and like you said, Sean, it sets the stage not only for tonight, but for three months down the road. Which you know, WCW was never the greatest for long-term storytelling, and I think this is the longest you'll get with them is maybe three months, because as we've seen on previous episodes, they were positioning Ron Simmons as a tag team partner. For dust for Barry Windham and not Dustin Rhodes. Yeah, you know, it's it kind of like the first, like the signs are starting to be there that at least at this era of WCW, they're trying to start. Get, I mean, you still have some really stupid wrestlers, but from a booking standpoint, it seems like they're trying to get their shit together a little bit coming out of the whole flair fiasco. Um, so it seems like they're on this path, and I think like this segment right here kind of gives that PK. We're going to do long term booking, and we're going to do a storyline throughout this show, and it's kind of like WCW at this time didn't do this kind of stuff, and. It kind of started at Halloween Havoc, you know, right out of the gate when they did the whole Dusty, the Dustin segment and Barry Wyndham with his broken hand. And then the kind of they're, they're really getting into the part of where they're doing long term storytelling, which might make this era probably one of my favorites because of that. Uh, Logan, what did you think? Um, I'm going to turn into Hulk Hogan here for a second. All right. Uh, Medusa as a sex gift. That doesn't work for me, brother. <laughs> um, yeah, just much uh, hatred for Medusa, we, Logan. We, we've talked about Medusa a lot, and my feelings towards her, uh, but uh, on previous episodes, so I won't dive too deep into it. But yeah, Sting is an absolute idiot in this segment. Um, I kind of do like that it breaks him off from you know, once this thing with Rude is done. Obviously, you th- you would think that Sting's going to take care of him later tonight uh, in that match, but I th- I feel like it does a good job of breaking him off to kind of go after Luger after this. Um, but yeah. And I, 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 I was kind of taken aback when they said medical facility, cause I thought that was always a Vince thing. So hearing the WCW announcers say that as well is kind of, kind of strange, but yeah, yeah. it Sting's definitely, it definitely appears to be a JR thing more than anything. So I wonder if like he is the one that brings it to WWF. Hmm. Interesting point. Hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, Jake. Yeah, seeing he was blinded by the Ducey. Uh, uh, I wonder if he was like, uh, maybe it's because, like, even though she told him she wasn't into him, 
she he was like uh who could resist this tank ass that i have like who could look at me my gigantic ass and resist this so maybe thought medusa was after that but yeah i i thought this was cool i mean you get the cool like the uh the corny theatrics of it which is fine I, i'm like oh, I, I like that it was luger because it just makes the, it just adds another layer to it because even though he's facing rude luger's involved so it kind of sets the stage for that and i'm always a sucker for any of these like uh like uh angles that last the whole show especially mm-hmm. if it's like mm-hmm. people i actually care about which they do here so that's always fun um sean i know you must have loved the foot because that's how she first came out they like zoomed <laughs> in on the foot i so. mean back back then yeah. i didn't I, back then i didn't have that issue but yeah <laughs> now it is, this is where it started i see yeah yeah, yeah. back then oh, it wasn't that yeah. Right. yeah yeah well, that we could do a whole but, other podcast just on that topic jesus <laughs> And I had a and Medusa. Uh, Jr. says that Medusa is just subterfuge, which is such a Jr. <laughs> w word to use, like trying to use this. Like, well, she was just subterfuge the entire time. Just very Jr. I dug that. Yeah. So yeah. So good segment to kind of set off on where this show is going to go. So um, very highly entertaining, if nothing else, to set it up. So our next match, um, our second match of the night, it was for the WCW TV title. It is stunning Steve Austin who is with Lady Blossom taking on another podcast favorite, PN News. Um, Logan, I am going to tell you right now, I feel about Blossom the same way you uh, do about Medusa. Uh, I think she looks like a hot mess that would go to a Tears for Fears concert backstage. And and basically, she'd go in it for the shag and come out looking like she went through a car wash. That's what she looks like to me. You sound like you have experience in this field. No, I'm talking about the era. Yeah. (laughs) Like she looks awful. She's like all made up. Her hair's a freaking mess. She looks like she's through the rat house. I just can't stand her. The rat house. Um, and by the way, so this would is- you say that everyone wants to rule the world? God yes. damn it! Yes. By the way, this is also her final appearance. So we will not see Lady Blossom again after tonight. So um, you do unfortunately do have to deal with Medusa for the long term. I do not have to deal with this woman who uh, decide who fucked Chris Adams and then decided to cheat on him and go to Steve Austin freaking horror anyway we're gonna move on austin my goodness austin Austin attacks before the bell but gets hit with an avalanche on the floor news whips him into the railing and tosses him back in austin goes for a slam but falls under the rate uh under the weight a suplex puts austin into the ropes uh jr says sting has been taken to a medical facility um again not a hospital Uh, a belly to belly puts austin near the ropes again lady blossom puts austin's foot on the ropes News chases Lady Blossom away. Austin hits an over-the-top rope, um, like really, like dives over the top rope, then throws it back into the ring. News is stunned and charges into the corner and right into an Austin pin with his foot on the ropes. It wasn't terrible, um, but it was pretty standard. As always, Austin tight's still amazing because I think Schiff brought up that on a couple episodes ago. I went one and a half, but it was mostly for Austin. There wasn't really too much for this match, but I guess a solid win at the time for uh, stunning Steve Austin and Lady Blossom, we uh, bid you adieu. Matt, I will go to you first. What'd you think of this match? Um, right there with you, a uh, star and a half for me. Uh, this could have been a lot worse given who was involved with the, the PN News. That seems uh, to be a thing with PN News matches on this podcast. Yeah, I, I mean, maybe he's actually good and we're just assholes. I'm Wrong. starting to wonder. I, I think there's a good, well, we already Wrong. know the second part of that. I don't know if he's right. good, but go ahead. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, 
Honestly, there wasn't a ton to this match. It's like five minutes, barely five minutes long, I think. Uh, the one big thing that I noticed was uh, Austin at one point dives over the top and News just sells it comically by running across the ringside area mm-hmm. into the rail. Just an absurd sell. Like, uh, you are a large human. There's no way that Austin doing that would send you 20 feet into a guardrail. Come on. But, uh, yeah, uh, really not much here. So, uh, star and a half. I don't know what you mean. A Tom Zink uh, super kick to Vader's chest and him flicking flying all over the place. Why? You know, that, that is a, that is a great point. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Big man must sell. Chef, <laughs> what do you think? Uh, this may shock people, but um, I went a little bit higher than everyone. I went two stars on this. I'm not shocked by that, actually. Um, <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> no, not for a bad thing. because I could. See oh, why I, you would I'm go. just messing. <laughs> it was the way you I said could, it. It's no, just how you said it. No, I could totally see why it would go, too. I wasn't trying to be dickhead Sean. I was being serious for a minute. <laughs> um, Austin was actually making news look like a real brute, like a super heavyweight, to prepare him for Vader in a couple weeks. Um PN News had a nice suplex where he like suplexed Austin on the ropes, which I thought was pretty neat. And then he hit a belly to belly suplex as well. Um, and like Souza said, like when he jumped on PN News and sent him flying, like that was a little ridiculous. And then, um, you know, we couldn't even give Austin the clean pin. He has to get the, you know, the pin with the foot on the ropes. Like I said, I went two stars. It was a fun match. Um, definitely, you know, he, he's the TV champ. So, you know, you got to by hook or by crook. Well, it's good to see him finally get a pinfall win after we watched him job a bunch of times uh, prior. But, um, Jake, what did you think of this? Look, I actually went a touch higher than Schiff. I went two and a quarter. I thought Austin was super good in this match, um, especially for being, like, still pretty young. Like, I felt like he was, like, I mean, like, he was bumping all over the place. It was very, like, Mr. Perfect to me. Like, he turned, like you guys said, this could this could have been um, – you know, real boring. Like I see, like I feel like if you throw somebody more mediocre in here, it would just be like PN News. They would stay in the ring. You'd kind of throw them around and be, be real slow. But like Austin brings a lot of movement to it, and I thought his like facials were great. Like begging off, like all of his body language, like looking desperate. Like I felt he added some drama to this match that probably wouldn't have been there otherwise, just through his mannerisms. And I thought I thought it was awesome stuff. I thought. P and News, you know, he's kind of a goof, but I liked his belly to belly at one point. But mm-hmm. to me, the pretty much the two of the two and a quarter was for Austin. Like, I just thought he was so excellent in this match. Getting because he kind of got the crowd involved too. Like, when he would uh, take a big bump and like start ping ponging all over, the crowd kind of got into it. Like, he actually got the crowd cheering for P and News. So, I don't know. I thought it was like I could see in this, it's always fun to go back and see him and, um, and just see how much he got it even from the very beginning. And like, that's what I was thinking in this match. Like any other person who's only been wrestling for a few years would just go in there and have, you know, the most basic match with P and news. But here's Austin, like bumping, like he's Mr. Perfect trying to make this feel like it's a big deal. And like you guys said, like making P and news look actually intimidating when in reality, he's just kind of like a fat dude. So two and a quarter. Yeah. Austin's awesome. I love the comparison to Mr. Perfect. Cause I totally get what you're saying. And that's, that's a really good analogy. And, When's the last time you saw Steve Austin do an over-the-top rope dive? And you know what I mean? The stuff you wouldn't like what he became and the wrestler he became that where he's considered like the greatest, one of the greatest of all time. This era of Austin is very different. And I think the Mr. Perfect comparison is pretty cool. I, I like what you mentioned. Right. You said like that. and so like you could easily go in and be like, oh, it's PN News. But like like it's so awesome to go like, look, I'm on the clash, I'm on national TV. I don't care if I'm facing this fat dude. I'm gonna go in there and like bust my ass for five minutes and, and get it over. Yeah. That's awesome. 
Yep. I, I don't I don't disagree with you. Logan, what do you think? Um, yeah, I I get where I get where Jake's coming from. I went one and a half like uh you and you and Matt did. Um uh, I, I thought Lady Blossom was much more modestly dressed this time, so maybe uh WCW liked her better when when her tits were out in the previous episode. So <laughs> she still uh, looked like she still looked like hot garbage, man. She's hot garbage. <laughs> Yeah, sure. We'll go with that. Um, but uh, I like in our previous episode, just again, too much offense from the big man. I, I don't want to see PN News beat up Steve Austin. Uh, Steve Austin did a hell of a job uh, making his offense, uh, PN News' offense look effective, I will say. So Austin did a really good job in this one, but that can only carry the rating so far for me. Uh, the diving attack that Austin dug, that does was awesome. And the sell job was five stars by PN, tumbling into the uh, railing and all that. Um, I, I don't like that Austin had to cheat to win, uh, but it, and it had me saying, uh, no baby, no baby, no. So, um, <laughs> like I said, I went one and a half. So, all right. So what does that bring it to Logan? Uh, 1.75. All right. We're not doing so hot on the matches, but <laughs> we'll keep going. Uh, so we go to Jim Ross, who is calling Eric Bischoff at the medical facility and the cameraman actually you can audibly hear him yell at tony to get his head out of the way so they could see jr on the phone and uh that was fantastic and then you can clearly hear that they're piping in this phone call into the arena and at first the connection absolutely sucks um it was terrible screen then shows a bischoff picture with a red dot where savannah medical facility is for effect and then it's like okay so is this what we're supposed to believe that he's really there because you have this on the dot that he's there? Uh, Bischoff, the Weather Channel map. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. Uh, Bischoff has no real news, but an orderly came out and gave him a thumbs up. And then Eric says, I have never seen so much adrenaline and fire like we saw in Sting. And it's just like the worst like delivery ever. Like his uh-huh. acting ability is absolute garbage. Matt, what did you think of this segment? Eric, can you hear me? Can you hear me, Eric? <laughs> Eric, I can't hear you. you you're going to speak into the receiver there, son. Tony, get, Tony, get your head down. <laughs> Tony, move your fat ass head. I'm, you're in my shot, you prick. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, not, not much here. Bischoff's acting ability is uh, uh, quite terrible. Uh, they did say, however, that uh, Sting's knee swelled up, uh, swelled up three times the normal size, which is prob- mm. which is probably bad. That that's like they, some- they probably measured it like with tape. Right, and they took they took a knee from a cadaver and put that knee up against Sting's knee and said, "Well, this is at least three times." Good lord! Uh, like Jake, I am a sucker for a a show long a show long storyline like this, so uh, it's it's a good way to advance uh, that that storyline. So it it was fine, but also kind of absurd at the same time with the Bischoff phoning in and just there was there was a lot happening here for such a small uh, uh, small segment. Yeah, you can't say it wasn't entertaining. I was thoroughly entertained. No, for sure. All right, Scott, your boy was full of adrenaline and fire, according to Bischoff. How do you feel about this? <laughs> um, like I agree with Susan, Jake. It's like it's I guess it's the episodic nature we watch wrestling in, and that's why like we enjoy these show long storylines. And so it's like, oh, we got to see like it keeps us glued to the television. And I love like you know. Uh, Bischoff said an orderly came out and gave him a thumbs up and he's like, Oh, it could be like, get the hell out of here, you <laughs> asshole. But like, you know, he's giving a thumbs up to the security guard to like, like it's not even an orderly. It's not even a doctor. It's like an orderly. It's like right. <laughs> it's like you can't say doctor, like you can't say medical facility. It's an orderly. Yeah, so like it, it was an enjoyable segment. Um 
and is it this one? Oh, no, it's the next one where it, it's my my favorite line. Oh, it gets so, better. It definitely yeah, gets better from so, here. So so we'll get to that. But yeah, it just just an enjoyable segment. And actually, as I was watching this uh, clash until I tapped out after the Sting uh, Rude match, uh, it was actually making this enjoyable and feel like oh we got we got to see what happens next. Like so, if you're sitting down and actually watching this instead of watching the bits and pieces, I think you would enjoy it more. So as somebody who watched it live and didn't pick apart the nuances of some of the ridiculousness, it was absolutely made you want to stay and see what happened. It still does, even watching it today, but it absolutely 100% made you want to watch and see what happened. So I, too, enjoy that episodic nature. Jake, what did you think? Yeah, maybe. Uh, do you think Sting's balls had swollen three sizes? But <laughs> Lucy teasing him when she came out the box. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's like a... It's like has that nice kind of hokey WCW charm where like the production value is just not like on the level of the WWF. Like it sounded like the fucking Watergate tapes when he's talking to him. Like, uh, (laughs) tell us what's going on. It's just ridiculous. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, it kept the thing going, but it had that nice WCW charm. Absolutely. Logan, what did you think? Yeah, it's hokey and ridiculous. uh, Absolutely. And, uh, Bischoff basically says everything and nothing at the same time. He's, you know, he says all the stuff and like nothing of it comes through and it, it just doesn't make any sense because he kind of says something and then backtracks. So he's just, it, it's all over the place. But yeah, pretty comical. Uh, probably not in the way that they intended, but uh, I, I enjoyed it from a comedic standpoint. Hey, if anything, you could say the matches are bad, but I don't think we've had any shortage of pure entertainment in the four episodes that we have done this podcast. I am thoroughly entertained. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, All right, so we'll move on to our next uh, segment. We get a recap of the Enforcers smashing Barry Wyndham's hand at Halloween Havoc uh, in the car door, and we transition to our WC Tag Team title match, which is supposed to be the Enforcers versus Dustin Rhodes and Barry Wyndham. So Barry Wyndham, uh, they all come, Barry Wyndham and Dustin come out. He takes himself out of the match saying he had reconstructed surgery on his hand. Um, finally, after seeing many, many matches with him that were pre-taped Halloween Havoc, we finally see his hand bandaged up. So they're selling the injury. So instead, a guy in a dragon outfit walks down the ramp and immediately at that given time, um, I, I, obviously where you go to, I said, gee, you wonder who this is. At the time, I thought maybe it was great Muda. Because I also realized how stereotyped wrestling was when we were late dragons to Japanese wrestlers in 1991, uh, which Tony even brings up, which, again, (laughs) was a trope. Um, I also like the Japanese perceived wrestler is coming out to Barry's classic rock, great value rock anthem. So basically, they have this Japanese wrestler coming out to Barry's, you know, and it just doesn't make any sense. So Wyndham and Rhodes yank off the dragon head to reveal Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, which I could tell you at the time was a fucking cool-ass moment because the last time I saw Steamboat was at SummerSlam 91 in that six-man match. I saw it not coming at all, so it was a kind of a cool moment. Um, Arn and Larry's selling of this is an all-timer, especially Arn's not Ricky Steamboat. Like, it's just really, really great. Um, the crowd goes nuts, and again, this is a great, great surprise for us to see. Also note, this is the official debut of the new WCW version of the tag team titles that JR um, points out. And for me, a little of my childhood died because the NWA tag team titles that I knew and love, they're gone. And we have what I consider a very ugly version of the WCW tag team titles. They're new, they're fresh, they're brand new here. Um, The Enforcers yank Steamboat into the corner, but that proves to be a mistake as Ricky goes nuts with shots. 
Um, there's an atomic drop to Arn. Dustin comes in and the face is clean house. So the crowd is a, and the crowd just absolutely goes insane. Um, Arn's what the hell is happening look is absolutely incredible. Uh, he also said he's just a man. He's just a man line is an all timer. Um, faces work Larry's arm that Larry sell that typical Larry sells like death. Um, as announcers officially, this is also a big thing. They officially deem Larry wanted to be called the Crusher for the first time, which becomes his nickname in the um, in the alliance. Uh, Larry sucks Ricky in, uh, suckers Ricky into the corner um, uh, and suckers Ricky into chasing him and draws him right into Aaron Anderson. The enforcers work over Steamboat, and I love the double teaming with Steamboat fighting like his life depended on it. Like this was just such an amazing sell from him, an amazing double team. Uh, Ste uh, uh, Steamboat atomic drops Arn, but Arn's head knocks him on the bridge of the nose. Um, Arn recovers and goes up, but Steamboat gets his feet up. Arn yells for Zabisco to cut off the tag, but it's too late. Dustin is lit when he comes in. He bulldogs Arn and tags Ricky in one motion. And Ricky goes up top for a body press for the win. And the tag team belts at 14 and a half. Um, guys, this is legit. Probably one of the greatest tag team matches of all time. Uh, and literally one of the best you'll ever see. A great mystery partner payoff. Crazy crowd. Incredible announcing with JR being the forefront. Fantastic heel work. Uh, face and peril is so good here and legit. Again, probably up there in one of my top two or three tag team matches I have ever seen in my life. Um, I'm not sure it gets any better. I actually went the full five stars on this. Matt, what do you think? Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's an amazing match. You get the great moment with Steamboat coming out to the massive pop. And uh, much to your dismay, as has been historically documented, that you hate Ricky Steamboat like poison there, Sean. But No, this is different. I, <laughs> I, hate, Steamboat, I hate Steamboat for a reason. And I love this era of Steamboat in WCW. And I oh, hate. see? Well, there you go. We, we're, yep. we're, uh, again, uh, this is a we're learning growing. experience. We're, gro <laughs> we're growing as humans. We're learning things about each other. We're yes. going to start singing Kumbaya any minute. I enjoy this Steamboat more than 89 Steamboat. So, yes, I am giving you some. I'm giving you a scoop right here. So, yes. Mm. Yeah, uh, it's just you get a molten heart hot start to this with all four guys in the ring. The crowd is red heart, red hot. You got Arn sweating like he's working in a factory in the middle of July. It's just he's everybody in this match is unbelievable. The selling super on point. For Even everybody. Larry. Larry's awesome. In right. This too. Even Larry, who is mostly useless, as we've documented, he was fantastic <laughs> during this. I mean, I mean uh, like you said, Sean, this is absolutely one of the best tag matches of all time uh the pace is insane they don't really let up for the entire 15 minutes and the other thing i noticed too because uh, i feel like we've all kind of seen this match a lot uh, uh the thing i noticed watching it this time was that it felt to me like steamboat and Rhodes had been teaming with each other for years and to my knowledge this was like really the first time they had really teamed with one another and they just they immediately had that chemistry and how well they worked with one another so yeah just everybody is on point for this this is a fantastic match so uh i didn't go the full five on it but i went damn close i went four and a half yeah i you know what's interesting i also think this is another plug for how great dustin rhodes has gotten in a short amount of time as well mm -hmm. so um shift i'll go to you next what'd you think yeah this was a banger um and I, I, I lost my mind watching this match. Like I, because we we had seen like you know with Barry's hand, so I was unsure like what they were gonna do. Then they brought out, um, you know, the dragon. I was like, oh, you know, that makes total sense. Um, and it was just awesome. Tony has a great line here. He said, "If anyone can slow down momentum, it's the mouth of Larry Sabisco." Amen. <laughs> Which I um. 
was just amazing. And I mentioned it last episode, the tag from Arn to Larry while in the sunset flip, he does it again here. And it's just like a work of art. Um, and like, you know, and then we have like another tag and like, uh, the crowd lost their mind when they got the hot tag to Dustin and the ref didn't see it, which is what I love. And like, it feels like these 80 and nineties, like tag team matches more in NWA and WCW where they didn't see it. And then, Oh my God, we get a cross body from the top rope and we got new champs. I went four and three quarters, um, maybe five more minutes and I would have been added the whole five, but it's as close as we can get. All right, Jake. Yeah, I love this match. Like, they do the classic tag formula a bit, but, like, it never drags. Like, they never kind of fall into it as, like, a crutch. They just execute it. Like, the beginning, like, opening face, like, shine sequence is so awesome. Like, and they they kind of build the story of that, you know, like, they know that Steamboat is, like, juiced up, so they kind of want to single out Dustin knowing that he's the younger guy. And that's kind of the storyline that they play. But, like, the... um you know, Steamboat and, and uh, Dustin kind of are able to fight them off, but then finally they get on top. The heat sequence when the enforcers do take over is so good, just like dissecting them, cutting off every time they, they go for a tag, which is like one of my favorite. Like, I'm trying to think of teams. Like, I always remember the enforcer, and that's what I always remember about them is how good they're, like, cutting off the tag stuff. It's just so good. I think that's an Arn thing, too. I just think Arn is so good at that in any team he's in. But And, like, cutting off all the hope spots. Like, there's at one point Steamboat goes for, like, a body scissors, and Arn, like, twist them right into a Boston crowd. And, like, every time they cut off the hope spot, you could just feel the crowd building more and more, like, waiting. Like, they're ready to explode. And it finally crescendos when uh, Steamboat hits that crossbody. They win it. It's just great storytelling. They pull the crowd in. Um, like I said, the, the, face, uh, the face shine sequence and then the following, like, heat sequence by the heels are just both, like, two of the best you're going to see in this sort of tag match um it never lost my interest throughout the whole thing and it's not super long like it never drags it's only about like it, a 20 minute it's, match it, it's actually 14 it's 14 minutes and 50 seconds right see that's yeah. what i mean it's not long um my only negative i'd go five stars of the match but i thought the um not really in the match, but Steamboat's Dragon thing i thought was fucking stupid oh it that was dumb. yeah like i think they would have been better off either just letting him come out or like maybe put his robe over his head where they might know who it is and let him put the all this with like oh i assume it's got to be someone from japan with the stupid <laughs> like you look like he's in the chinese no, new year parade. Some, it was the, someone very, from the with the very window music uh, someone from the orient jake that's, yeah that's the orient there you go mm-hmm. right so yeah don't do the stupid dragon suit whatever mask thing and this would be an absolutely perfect segment, but the match is pretty much perfect. Five stars. I will tell you though, being in that time frame, watching it live, that was very, that was a big deal in how they did that. Like to us today, we're like, God, that's fucking stupid. Back then, we used, oh. as wrestling fans, we used to eat that stupid shit up. So that's yeah, my he's only, a fucking that's, pinata yeah. on his head. Yeah, so he's got a pinata on his head. And, <laughs> right. I but and it's great that I immediately thought it was the great Muda in my mind because you hadn't seen Muda for a while. So I'm like, oh, it's a great Muda. This is great. I never expected Steamboat, so that was great. Uh, Logan, how about you? Yeah, I, I thought it was amazing. Uh, I, I I'm with Matt. I went four and a half. I didn't quite go perfect like some of y'all did. Um, th- as stupid as him walking down the rampway with the dra- the dragon, the big thing over him. I did think that when he actually revealed himself to be Steamboat, that was really well done. I, I, it, you know, uh, obviously Larry and Arn just go ballistic and crazy. Like they 
could have never expected that was going to be the person that showed up. Uh, and it kind of spills into the pre-match and the early going of the match is just chaos as the heels are totally taken off guard by the fact that uh, Steamboat was the mystery partner and uh, they didn't have to face Barry. So they were expecting Barry. They thought Barry would be there and he'd be an easy target with his injury. Um, but I love Larry's yell, selling yell, as we always talk about. He's just, he's so vocal throughout the match. I think it's just absolutely hilarious. Um, this match is maybe three of my favorite WCW wrestlers and then Larry. Uh, so how uh, dare you? I, I, <laughs> but I, no, but like, I, I love Rhodes, Steamboat, and Arn. They're, they're three of my favorite WCW guys uh, for sure. And I, I love Larry in his own way, but I mean in ring-wise, uh, as I say that, of course. Just a really phenomenal match wrestled by all the guys y- y- y'all all said. You know, Larry even pulls his weight in this one, uh, but just great stuff. And it, like, like you said, Sean, this really just shows how far Dustin's come and just like you know nine ten months uh he's really great in this match and steamboat's awesome as always as well as on so yeah great stuff uh four and a half so what's the total uh 4.75 that one's gonna be hard to beat yeah and you know what i think we're gonna be hard pressed to find a match with larry that we find him to be better than he is in this one i mean we'll always have yeah. the vocalness but from a wrestling standpoint i don't really know if we'll get better larry i mean maybe the tag team match at super brawl 92 i'll have to revisit that um, but this one, I don't know. It's I mean, there, that. there's one that he's in, but it's not. The match isn't great because of him. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> right. seems to be That's the theme. Seems too. to be the theme. So, right. With Larry Zabisco, I, I, I love that Larry's kind of found his place for us on this show. It's just <laughs> Larry. Larry, Larry Z is very, is very much along yes. for the ride. <laughs> Yes, be loud, be arrogant, and just be stupid and keep us entertained. That, he's a, he's a passenger in a group full of drivers, just basically. keep yelling at all the fat women and the rednecks in the crowd. <laughs> have our all right, so let me deviate for a minute. So I went five stars. So if I were to ask you, I'm going to go to Matt. Matt, based on the fact that you didn't make this five stars, what would be a tag team match you would say is five stars? If I, this knew, you were, I knew you were going to put me on I have to. No, I'm going to do it to everybody. I'm going to do it to everybody. I'm going to do it to everybody. Oh. <sighs> I'm not trying. I'm not going to make you guys change your rating. <laughs> no, I, I, look, I'm not changing my rating. I'm not going to make you. Ch- yeah, I'm not going to do like I did famously on the YouTube roulette show that one time. I'm, I'm well, well, you see, that was that was more for effect on YouTube roulette than it was, it was. you actually meaning it, I think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, probably, probably like Revival, Gargano, and Champa, or DIY, and the Revival. That That's probably a five-star tag match to me. There was just a point in the middle where Arn had a lot of rest holds on. So that was where it lost me just a little bit, but everything else around it was amazing. So the two that immediately come to mind as being probably closest to the five, to five for me. Well, one actually is uh, Luger and Wyndham versus Arn and Tully from the first class. Well, yeah, that, and we're going to cover that. I, that would be the one I would thought of. So I, agree that one is, that one is probably five. I agree with you on that one. Yep. Yeah. That's the one that immediately comes to mind. And it, honestly, from the same show, uh, Midnight's Fantastics is close to probably I, uh, beneath that one, but it's real close. I agree. I was going to go back to the Rock and Roll Express versus the Midnight's at uh, Wrestle War 90. Yeah, you know what? I love that match. Yeah, too. so that there are there are definitely other ones that are really there. Schiff, how about you? And I like that how Logan went to like current day NXT. I assume Schiff's probably going to be similar. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, I like Sting and Luger versus the Steiners. Yep. That's yeah, it. I could see that because yeah. of the feel and what it is. I, I, and we're, I could totally see that. Yep. 
And, and also uh, current day uh, Bucks versus Pentagon and Ray Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Mm, spot fest, Logan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I said DIY versus the revival. Uh, that that's the one that I actually do love that match quite a bit. Um, <laughs> I can't really think of any of off the top of my head, but that that's the one that came to mind. But like like uh, Schiff was talking about that Luger, uh, Sting, and uh, the Steiner match is really good. So I don't know if it will quite be five, but it'd be close. I swear to God, I'm so glad you didn't say WrestleMania ladder match because I probably would have shit my pants. So thank uh, you for not I saying. mean, I still can. No, I nope, too late. Uh, Jake, <laughs> oh, uh, uh, TLC at SummerSlam, five stars. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna edit that part out, Jake. <laughs> no, we're not. Well, I gave this one five, so don't oh, I get a did. homework pass. Oh, I thought you said four. <laughs> I thought you said four and a quarter. You said did say five? No, I went the I went the full oh, okay. money. Never I love mind. this match. Jake, Jake, I love this Jake match. It's the total pass, but. Oh. In all honesty, though, I think the ones you guys did bring up, with the exception of Schiff's Young Bucks bullshit, I do. I agree. <laughs> Your I opinion do, sucks, yeah. Chef, is what he's yeah, saying. I, no, I agree with everything else you said. I just don't agree <laughs> with the Young Bucks. And yeah, anyway. Um, but thank you for that, because I really needed to get that wrapped around in my head, because I thought this match, again, I. There's, there are, I do get your point though. There are two or three other matches that I could say might be better than this, but it's close. But anyway, let's move I on. I mean, I, I gave it four and three quarters, so it was very close. Yeah, it should have been a five. Um, moving on, <laughs> we're going to go to our next segment. Uh, Polly dangerously says he feels bad for Sting and is ashamed to have met Lex Luger and Medusa. So I love that he's shitting on Medusa and Lex Luger, saying he's ashamed to be a prick. But the contract on page 12 says if Sting can't wrestle, Rude will win the U.S. title by forfeit. He says sorry for st- he says he's sorry for staying. Uh, he had nothing to do with it. I think this is a tremendous angle and promo here. Then we go back to Eric Bischoff, who rejoins us from the medical facility and tells Sting about the loophole in the contract. And utter chaos ensues in the background. Uh, he tells Sting that he forfeits the match if he doesn't show up. Sting flips out on the phone and steals. Ah, where's the van? As he calls it, but it is an ambulance to head back to the arena. <laughs> And I pot big time because I love the fact that they don't call it an ambulance and they can't call it a hospital. They call it medical facility and a van. So part of me is like, did Vince McMahon book this show? Because this is like the terminology is fantastic, Uh, which makes me to believe that JR, I think someone mentioned something about this. JR is the one that took the language back to the WWF in 93, because that's really where they went all in on medical facility and stuff like that. But uh, I will go to you first. So this sets up our last match. Matt, I'll go to you first on the Paul Heyman promo and then the Sting stealing the ambulance gimmick. Uh, stop me if you've heard this before. Uh, Paul E. Dangerously is great on the microphone. He he could he could sell ice to Eskimos. Like he's just he's just fantastic. I, I love that they're treating the contract like it's a real thing. Uh, Paul E. Obviously uh, went through that contract with a fine tooth comb to know that on page twelve it yes. says. <laughs> that he must show up, and if he doesn't, uh, the title goes to Rude. Uh, it was a little bit easier to get Bischoff on the phone uh, this time, I'll say. Still didn't sound great. It still sounded like Bischoff was holding the phone upside down, but it did I sound- know, but his delivery on, oh, Sting, if you don't show up, the loophole says you forfeit. <laughs> like, it was just the worst acting of all time, and Sting has to react to it. Yeah, and then you hear Sting in the background, what? What do you mean? <laughs> Where's the van? Where's the van? Uh, and and, th- and this is the other thing, too. So uh, last episode, uh, we've determined that Sting wanted to uh, fuck Medusa quite a lot. <laughs> and then and then on this episode, he steals a fucking ambulance. 
Uh, great role model for children here hey, is the Stinger. Who knew Sting was the early version of Stone Cold Steve Austin? Who knew? <laughs> right, right. Look, man, only need, he does only need... this, he does that. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Chef, what did you think? I, I enjoyed it. And, uh, Sousa, I actually have it written down what, what it is completely. Page 12, section 6, article 6. Like, <laughs> Unbelievable. It was just a, It was just amazing. And uh, he goes, I've had my lawyers look at it. And then, like, we have Eric on the phone. And he's like, he has stolen a van. And then when we see Sting again, like, he's riding shoddy. So someone was like, nah, fam. But um, just a hell of a segment. And it, this feels like the true main event of the show. Like, they like they spoke about Luger and uh, Steiner. But you can already start to see, like, they're like, oh, this didn't really work with Luger. We're going to start making because the U.S. title feels more important than the world heavyweight title right now, in my opinion. A hundred percent. You don't see Luger in angles like this. They're, they're definitely <laughs> setting up Luger being gone for the next few months with this. A hundred percent. You're going to say something, uh, Logan? I didn't, I didn't pipe up. Oh, I thought I heard someone. All right, Logan, then you go next. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I love the I love the poly finding the loophole and it being, you know, page 16 section six or whatever shift just said um but yeah you know bischoff still sounds like he's like matt says holding the phone upside down uh and you can hear sting in the background saying what i'll be there no matter whether i'm hurt or not so uh just to kind of you know it sting kind of still comes off as a dumbass because you know shouldn't wrestle hurt but obviously you don't want to be a coward and give up your title at the same time but uh yeah just just another funny for the wrong reason uh kind of segment here all right, Jake, what'd you think? Yeah, I'm with you. I just like that it gets across as they as we move closer towards this this whole angle really coming, you know, coming into its own. Like it just establishes that Paul like has this ability to like pull strings backstage and get opportunities for his guys, which is gonna come in the you know, it's gonna be a bigger deal as they go down the line and they kinda solidify themselves. So I, I kinda like that aspect of it, kind of setting that all into motion. All right, so that's going to take us into our final part of this episode. So we get it's U.S. title, Sting versus Rick Rude. So Rude, entrance music, I think I talked about it on the last episode, really, really bad and piped in garbage. Uh, I love the U.S. title design on Rude's trunks. Like we talked about on, this episode, on the last episode, he had Sting, he has the U.S. title on. It's just really, like they really make this U.S. title like feel like the most important title in the entire company, and they do such a good job with it. Paul E. gets on the mic and talks about what a tragedy Sting is for letting all his fans down. He basically <laughs> calls Sting stupid and a demigod and does not care about the kids, which pops me big time. Uh, Sting pulls out outside just in time and returns to the ring before counted out. The crowd is absolutely nuclear, like, I mean, abs- just bonkers. Announcers um, also amp up the energy on their commentary. Rude charges and immediately gets press slammed on the ramp, uh, way, like, which was just incredible. Sting needs buckles. But he makes it back in the ring. He catches Rude coming off the top, um, and clo- he catches Rude coming off the top, and then clotheslines him over the top. Rude finally gets his shit together and wraps Sting's ring- leg around the post. Sting gets out of the uh, Rude awakening and hits Rude back against the ropes. Rude bounces off and accidentally clips Sting's knees as he plays. Um, as he plays, uh, so basically uh, he hits his knees, uh, then dangerously from behind st- uh, nails Sting with his cell phone. Uh, but surprisingly, I thought that was going to be it at the time, but Sting kicks out at two. Sting goes after dangerously, though, allowing Rude to clip him and get the pin at four minutes. 
Um, later on, uh, day after the match, dangerously odd the shelf admits to a conspiracy and setting uh, Sting up. It was a conspiracy by him, Rude, Medusa, and Luger. And then he spits on Jim Hurd in the committee. And WCW has to answer to Rude from this point on. He says the Dangerous Alliance caused the shots. Rude says walls come crumbling down. Uh, he, all the hopes and prayers for the little stingers have died. And all he has to say is Sting is nice guys finish last. Medusa and Paul laugh as, as uh, Rude kisses at the camera with the U.S. title draped around the shoulder. And that closes this out. This whole thing from start to finish was just classic booking. Um, I do think Sting looks a little stupid in it yet again for turning his back on Rude and getting his knee clipped. Um, but it was more, this was like way more angle to match, but the show wide storytelling and the end result was one of the next bet, like probably best post Crockett NWA WCW to this day you will ever see in terms of storytelling, um, all in on this whole thing, the storyline, the match, I'm going about three and a half due to the short match, but great execution that felt fresh and a new hope for 91 WCW at this point in time. And like I said earlier, it made the U S title feel bigger than the world title as Luger's reign was kind of an ass at this point. Um, and doesn't get much better. So, Matt, I will go to you first. I thought this was a hell of a way to close this out. Yeah, uh, super fun storyline-driven match. Again, it's like five minutes long. So, I mean, you weren't going to get the best of work right here, but it makes sense uh, given the show-long angle that uh, that's uh, ha- been happening here. So, And it's just great. I love the pop that Sting gets when he limps in the arena and then, you know, rude meeting him on the ramp. It's just the crowd is red hot for this. And like we've been saying really throughout the entire show, this feels like the main event feud in uh, in WCW right now, and Luger Steiner is kind of an afterthought, just because Luger at this point already has one foot out the door. So, yeah, just great stuff. I love Rude targeting the knee makes sense, uh, given that you know Luger did the same thing earlier, and I love the extra added fuck you with him pinning Sting while holding the tights, yes. even though Sting really had no chance of kicking out because of the the beating he's taken. I thought that was just a little extra douchebaggery from Rude that was fantastic. So, yeah, a super fun storyline-driven match. So I went three stars for the match. Awesome. Schiff? Uh, I know I'm probably going to overrate this. I don't give a shit. I love this. As I mentioned before, I've seen this multiple times due to that Best of Sting uh, VHS. Uh, I love the ambulance showing up, Sting hobbling there. Like like we said, the crowd just absolute bonkers. JR's in like super cell mode um, right now as well. Um, I, I love how like Rude is working the leg as well, and like Sting actually fought out of the Rude Awakening, which I thought was pretty good. Like it's, it makes you want to see them when like Sting is quote unquote healthy. Then uh, uh, with Rude hitting the knee. Could have done without Paulie and the cell phone, but it makes sense. I just would have had Rude like just work the leg the whole time, and uh, I love like Susan said, like holding the tights on the roll up. And now we have a new U.S. champ. And Rude only came into this promotion like a month and a half ago, and he's already the U.S. champ. Seems to be the lead heel. Is just and like you know he's gonna hurt our feelings. And the promo Paulie cuts with which earlier he was like i was not working with medusa or luger and he's like yes it was a conspiracy with everyone involved and like i love how he spit on her because he probably knowing paul Heyman and stuff i've read about he legit did hate her uh <laughs> jim heard so just all around a great time uh counting like the storyline for going into this i'm going four um it's okay i went three and a half i you know I, I, I love it and the Sting and Rude feud, 
Um, I know Sting's WWE feuds, they just think of Flair. Most people think of Flair and Vader. He had some pretty good matches with uh, Rude as well. Yeah, you know what? Interesting. Like the promo where um, Rude basically says, hope some prayers of little Stingers have died. And all I used to say is Sting is nice guys finish last. It kind of reminded me of thinking about Hogan when he lost to Yokozuna and how it killed Hulkamania. I kind of relate it back to this. Like, it's like the day Sting died sign of a situation. Maybe not as severe as Hogan because Sting's not, I mean, not that he's not over, but he wasn't Hogan. But kind of reminded me of that when Yokozuna got the upset pin on uh, Hogan. So, Logan, what did you think of this? Uh, I, th- I thought it was uh, this. The whole show storyline is uh, absolutely amazing. Uh, the entrance running in from the ambulance is great, as the other guys have said. Uh, I thought Rude not immediately going for the knee, attacking the knee was pretty dumb. I, I thought he immediately should have like kicked at it or you know punched at it or something like that. But uh, I think Sting was running off adrenaline, so he really got a lot of the offense at the beginning. Uh, crowds going absolutely nuts for Sting the whole time. Uh, JR actually refers to Rude as the rated R challenger or the R rated challenger. So uh, early edge reference there by JR. <laughs> um, so about, I thought that was a funny little nickname he threw in there. Uh, the phone shot was pretty nasty and I, I, I wasn't a huge fan uh, of the finish, uh, just the clip leg into the roll up. Yeah. I would like to see the rude, rude awakening be hit. Uh, but the promo afterwards is crazy, uh, crazy batshit. Uh, Paul Heyman, he's just yelling and, you know, uh, talking about how this is the beginning of the takeover. Uh, you know, he kind of shits on herd as, as y'all have said. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I thought, I thought the promo was really great. Uh, even though Polly a little, went a little bit wild, but this was all the plan. Luger was always involved. Medusa was always involved. So he kind of backtracks on what he said earlier. Um, but all whole package together, I'd go three and a half. Three and a half. Okay. Jake, close it out. Yeah, it's really well done. They've inv- they invested the time early in the show to build to it. And because it's Sting, like, there is a little bit of the crowd, like, thinking, you know, he's going to run out the ambulance and maybe he will survive this. Or maybe we'll at least get, like, a schmoz where he won't lose the title or something. And, um, like, um, like you guys said, they kind of build this whole thing that Sting's running on adrenaline. And, like, Rude's sort of defensive at the beginning because he knows if he could just, like, last a little bit. Sting's only going to have so much in the tank because of the injury. So he just survives just a few minutes and then goes out to the knee and puts him away. So it's really well done for the story that they were building. And and like uh, like Schiff said, it's you know it shows you that Rude is the real deal here. Like they're not just bringing him in for nothing. Like he's been here a month. He just beat Sting. He's got Ali saying they're going to take over. He just won the title. Um, so it's like it makes it seem like this is you know it kind of legitimizes him. I guess I should say. But I'm with you guys. I probably go like. Three. It's a tough thing to rate because it's you can't. It's hard. You can't really separate the match from the angle. It's involved, a four, but it's a four kinda, minute match. Right. So without right. the angle, it wouldn't be. You know. Yeah. I agree. Right. Right. So I think I think I'm gonna go the three. That'll be kind of my split in the difference. But and the other thing I like about this is you know, ending it with this is it kind of balances out the night as far as this whole storyline because early at steamboat making this triumphal return they win the titles the crowd's all into it but then just a little while later you have the hero sting getting chopped down and beaten by the new heel kind of you know the the hot heel so it kind of balances those things out where you have you see kind of both sides of it so i, I really dug that moving forward because you don't really have any one dominant you have rude who just came in he's taking over but then you have steamboat on the face side who's like shoring up that side. So you can kind of see where all this is going. So I kind of like the balance of it. All right. So Logan, final tally on that one. That would be a 3.4. 
So does that take over the number one in the first four episodes? Nah, the last match was the tag episodes. match. Oh, the tag one. match. That's right. So, but it would it take number two? Uh, yeah, it would be number two because it uh, the other one was uh, three point three one. Wow. So yeah. All right. So pretty eventful clash tonight. Uh, before we go to our awards, uh, real quick, uh, if I were so Matt, if I were to ask you, top three clash. Who? It's all right. Let's do a top five. Would it be top five? Top five. I'm closer with you. Top three, I'm not quite sure yet because there's a lot of great clashes, especially in the late 80s. And even like we're going to see some that I there's one in particular that I think we may cover on this show that I may like more than this one, to be honest with you. But, yeah, it's it's certainly in the conversation for top five for sure. All right, Chef. Uh, Like Susan said, top five, maybe top four outside looking in on the top three. All right, Logan. Yeah, I think it's definitely got to be up there as one of the best best ones. Uh, it may not be the absolute best ones, but or the best one, but it's it's definitely up there for sure. Okay, sounds good. Um, Jake, what about you? Yeah, I don't have enough of a like encyclopedic knowledge of the clashes to really make mm-hmm. a judgment, but I do think, you know, besides just the amazing uh, tag match, I think it kind of sets itself apart with the the full show angle because even some of the the 80s ones they're stacked in ring but they don't necessarily have like the storyline stuff that this one has so i think that gives it maybe a few bonus points all right yeah i I, you know i'd have to really like think through it but i definitely think for me it'd probably be a top five so all right with that we already did the match ratings um we know where it ended as far as the two really big matches what was the worst match of the show logan uh let me pull up my neutral uh the chip eating imagine that all right, so Chip, once again, <laughs> <laughs> once again, stellar performance. All right, so we're going to have some uh, things here to figure out. Most dangerous, Matt. Well, why the hell did you come to me first? God damn it. Uh, <laughs> it's got to be, for me, either Arn or Rude, I think. And yeah. I think... I think because I've given it to Arn recently already, I'm going to give it to Rude just because he won a title and was involved in this whole storyline. And he's positioned right now as the biggest heel in the company. And uh, so, yeah, I, I think for this episode, you got to give it to Rude. But it's it's real close between him and Arn for me. All right, Shiv. I'm going with Paulie. He orchestrated um, the attack on Sting. And was the, all- yeah, it was ahead. the catalyst for winning the title with the uh phone shot all right i'm also going with paulie because he had two stellar promos and he's the one that actually won rude the match so i am 100 percent going in on paulie logan yeah i'm gonna go with paulie as well all right jake i'm gonna go through with matt okay all right least dangerous bobby and easy mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Be- beautiful bobby logan uh, yeah, you, you got to give it to Bobby, I guess. All right, uh, Jake. Yeah, I go with Bobby because, like, you you kind of see these other guys getting elevated, like in these prime positions. Bobby's still slumming. I mean, it's not his fault, but he doesn't seem like he. You know, he's the furthest from the angle right now. I feel so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would probably have to go with Bobby too, just because. I mean. Austin, I mean, if you think about it, Austin carried Pia News to a match way better than he should have been. You had the tag team title match and you had Rude. Uh, Bobby, just by default alone, probably had. And that's unfortunate because this is the second time in this pod's history Bobby Eaton has been the least dangerous. <laughs> so 
As much as we love a Bobby, you need to step your game up a and little it's bit. And it's not even it's not even really his fault. <laughs> no, that's it's the, the shit he's been yes. given. It's his right. fault. It's, the last time he won it was because of Mr. Hughes and um Johnny B. Bad. And then the last time he yeah, so in this time it's because of Chip. So it's really his opponents. So sorry, Bobby. Uh R.I.P. Bobby Eaton. Um, on a scale from one to five, um, how would you view this episode as part of being a big part of the Dangerous Alliance story and where we're at now? Uh I'll go to Matt. Uh, I think you got to go at least four on this. And the only reason I wouldn't go higher is because I know there's bigger stuff coming. So this, this to me feels like the official kickoff to the dangerous Alliance stuff. So with rude winning the, the, you know, the, the storyline, the show long storyline, all this stuff, this, this to me, I could see being like looked at as like the official kickoff to what the dangerous Alliance is going to be. So for that, I'm going to go four on it. All right. I'm going to go four and a half because between the tag match, the the show long thing with rude, the promo uh, by like, I just think it's all coming together at this point. So I'm going to go four and a half, not the full five, but I'll go four and a half shift. What did you think? I'm going to go four and three quarters. You guys did talk me out of a five. Just, I didn't want to you know, like shoot my wide too early, so I'm going four and three quarters. Because, right. but this is damn near perfect. If Bobby Eaton would have done something besides fight Chip, it would have been a five. <laughs> shoot you load early. <laughs> it's fantastic, Logan. <laughs> I, I'd go four and a half with you, Sean. I think it's it's close to perfect, but not quite not quite there. Uh, I think there could there's uh, probably a few later episodes that'll probably hit that five mark. Yep, Jake. Yes, like Sting, we're going to save our full load for later. And, um, <laughs> mm-hmm, four and a mm-hmm. half. All right, so four and a half. So definitely the episode that's ranked the highest since we started this pod, which makes sense because this is really Halloween Havoc was kind of the beginning. This is really the launch pad, if I were to say, like, hey, mm-hmm. where are we going next? So before we go, I want to give you a sneak peek of our next episode. I'm not going to run down exactly what we're going to go through, um, but I will tell you the dates. We're going to cover a November... Uh, 23rd through December 1st. Um, and our spotlight feature match. Are you ready for this? Uh, <laughs> if it's in, if it involves the Patriots, I'm quitting. I, I think this one could be an all-timer. Larry Zabisco versus Firebreaker Chip in a submit or surrender match. All right. Well, it's been a good run. Uh, Jake, Jake would, you, Jake, would you Matt like surrenders. my spot? Would you like my spot on this show, Jake? I'm willing to offer it to you. Not my dog spot, my spot. Yeah. I, listen, you know damn well you're going to watch that match, and we're going to have the best time ever just destroying it. So how do you not? I, I've that got match? my dud warmed up as it is. All right. So I won't talk about the other matches, but I will tell you, and it is also. We will talk about the official launch of the Dangerous Alliance comes on our next episode, episode five. So we will talk about that. So four episodes in, we haven't seen a form. Episode five is where we really hit the ground running and they formally get together. So Jake, thanks for joining us tonight. I love your perspective and loved having you on the show. Um, I will let you go first on the plugs. Yeah, since we're on the North-South connection for this pod, I will plug the Ruthlessly Aggressive podcast. Um, about to cover no well maybe by the time this comes out i will have already covered no way out had a few off weeks it's a bit of a busy time of year but i'm gonna keep on churning through them so check that out and i look forward to uh keeping up with you guys and returning for uh, some more of these big shows it's a lot of fun 
Absolutely. And uh, maybe one day I'll get to be on a ruthlessly aggressive podcast again. I would I hope. I hope one day I get on there. The door's open anytime. Uh, all right. Thank you. Schiff? Uh, uh, yeah, I can be found on Twitter at Scott underscore Shifflet and just check out all the pods here on NOSO feed, uh, the pop feed, and the place to be wrestling feed. Okay, Matt? You can find me right here on the NOSO feed on the Extreme Three Way Dance. I think by the time you are hearing this, the episode where we cover Barely Legal either is out or should be close to coming out. So definitely give that a listen. It's a massive night for ECW. It's their first pay-per-view. So uh, give that a listen. And you can find me on the Twitter machine at msusa1991. And Matt, I will listen to that pod because that is actually my official launch of really watching the, uh, ECW for the first time. There so. you go. Yeah, that pay-per-view was the first time I'd ever watched ECW, so and that's where I became a fan. So I look forward to that one. Uh, Logan, um, highway to the impact zone. We're all on that uh, pretty regularly. Scott will make uh, guest appearances sometimes, but the other four of us are on there uh, at least every other episode. Uh, we by the time this comes out, we'll probably have just done Genesis uh, 2005, or we may be at the show past that. I'm not quite sure, but uh, we'll be somewhere in that range, uh, but we'll, we'll be building towards almost getting to 2006, so we will have completed another year of TNA, so I'm um, looking forward to seeing where that takes us. All right, it's just not the only guest on there in recent days, but I hope I can make Genesis, because I would yeah, like but to But you're supposed to be a regular cast member. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, I said lately, but I, do, but I do hope I make Genesis, because I would like to watch that show, so hopefully I can get on that. Um, as for me, you can find me on Twitter at NWA Crock and Roll um, podcast, NWA uh, Crock and Roll uh, podcast. Uh, by the time you hear this, we should be knee deep into June 86 and maybe even getting ready to get into July 86, which is bash season, which is all, always one of the best parts of Crockett. Um, so we should be in that. And please also listen to uh, my podcast uh, Before I Was a Mark, where I watch three random matches that I have never watched predating my wrestling fandom in July of 86. Both of those can be found over on the Place to Be Nation wrestling feed, along with YouTube Roulette that also features everybody on here and me when I decide to join. So uh, with that, I would like to thank all of you for tonight. Really, really great episode. Maybe the best one we've done yet. With, and I love the fact that we're, you know, we're detailing the matches. We're talking about it. Like, it's just a really fun pod to do. And I've really enjoyed this one um, in the four episodes we've done. So, Jake, we will see you. I want to say we will see you. What's the next time we see Jake? Would it be Star K91 for the pay-per-view? I believe so. All right. So, Jake, we will see you for Battle Bowl Star K81. So uh, we can battle Matt on his opinions on that, but we'll love to have you on it. And for everybody else, we will see you back in two weeks for episode number five uh, to talk about the five stars, the Bisco and Chip match, and the official uh, formation of the Dangerous Alliance. See you then, everybody.
choke it. Not like Dre did that. Hey, you better tell these things. They ain't with no record. I'm a bank head. I take your cookies. Hey, so don't make it a me or you situation. I had your partner down. I see you visitation. Like, hope for the best, but I don't think he gon' make it. Not the way he was shivering and shaking on the pavement. I tell you what, if you make it, call him Grace, cause he amazing. Find out these verses were the only thing blazing. And just when you thought that I was done, I was saving the best for last. Kiss my smile like Delaree. They my focus, best you just let them be. Cause I do this, priest head confessions and never see. So